Hello. Hi. Just, <laughs> I just wanted to start hey. this by saying um, that I would like to apologize on behalf of both of us to Nikola Tesla. <laughs> it's like, what have you done? <laughs> I know. Yeah, that's it. That's all. I, I mean, wanted... I did apologize during the episode. You him. did, but I felt like we needed to just like ver- re- reconfirm that we are sorry for our Nikola Tesla slander. That's he all. deserved a second apology because yeah. we really messed that up. Yeah, he's already <laughs> got been through enough in his. Yeah, he's been through enough in his life. He doesn't need this from us. So that's all. Incredible. Uh, and yeah, we uh, got a hometown haunts episode. We also got some Patreon follow ups, and mm-hmm. that's it. Really, that's that's the episode. So yeah. Well, let's let's get cracking. Yeah, I was um, gonna say let's get into it before my babysitter gets here. Exactly. <laughs> to drop my child off. <laughs> totally. Uh do you would you like me to share the Patreon update first and then you can do your story? Yeah, sure. Okay. So we got a follow-up from our Patreon, our patron Destiny, who we spoke to spoke about. Um, you know, she she's very sensitive and she had a reading with Lauren and she just wanted to follow up on that. So she just wrote us um about a week or a week ago saying, Hi, so sorry I never updated. Um during this time I was pretty sick with long COVID symptoms. We did we did the reading, but she was not able to get much from me because the brain fog just absolutely took over me and I couldn't concentrate or attend to Lauren at all. It was very weird and definitely impacted our reading. She was saying that she basically felt the same way I did and felt like she couldn't think clearly. She did say that she believes I'm very sensitive and could have a future in doing readings and such if I trained in that area. Um, she wanted to just say that back in December that she had had a miscarriage and she was able to describe the baby to me exactly how I had pictured him and confirm that he was a boy. Um, I was not far along enough to find out the gender. So, um, that's what Lauren told her. And Mm -hmm. she said she talked a bit about her past lives and that she's had many past lives, but I can't remember much about them. Uh, She also told me that she's not cursed. So she had originally asked if she was cursed and that if her boyfriends were going to, her most recent boyfriend, if he was going to die young and that all her boyfriends have died young. So she was concerned. So destiny is not cursed and then she said when my brain starts working again i'll be sure to send in other stories thanks again love you guys so i'm so sorry that you have long covid and that's really shit but uh thanks for the follow-up and hopefully you can eventually start sharing your stories with us again i know um before i get into my story just for anyone who's listening in hamilton Mm -hmm. who is around our age Mm -hmm. i don't know if anyone has heard but there's big news in the downtown nightclub scene. Oh, yeah. I know. I saw. <laughs> um, Club Absinthe is closing its doors on King William and it is reopening at the original location on King Street. And I, I'm so stoked. <laughs> I am very. So I know the new owners and I didn't even know that Tina and I forget his name now. I just remember Tina. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't know that they sold it. Um, yeah, they Marco. did. Marco they did sell it literally like a month or two before COVID and 
the the new owners took this over and they've just I am so shocked that they've been able to sustain it during this they have other investments so they've been able to kind of be okay but in all honesty the vibe was never the same at the new location never it just didn't feel like that absinthe party vibe and like the way I've always described absinthe to anybody was that Kesha song where she sings like it's a hole in the wall it's a dirty free-for-all totally and I was like that is but you were be- singing about absinthe the beauty about the original absinthe was its mm-hmm. ability to have two separate floors of music mm-hmm. the new location you could only have you could you couldn't go upstairs to get your like whatever punk rock music and then downstairs to get your Motown you could only get the Motown if you went to Motown and then when the new location happened it was just like all open concept and it became more of like I almost feel like a like a it was it was like in a high-end restaurant area so it just like that like indie culture was like completely taken away yeah absolutely I did comment on their post Mm-hmm, me too uh, and I'll share with you oh I didn't read yours I'll share I just said go, I just said this is a great move oh good I wrote I do not care that I am a th- that I am 33 <laughs> years old and a mother I will once again put on shoes that I cannot walk in and stumble around drunk in that basement and if it's if it is the last thing I do <laughs> yeah they're getting a lot of love and I really I, and in all honesty I got a feeling they probably are saving money going back to the old location given that it a doesn't have like great parking doesn't have like the outdoor space it doesn't have a lot of other amenities that the new location had which they obviously originally thought that was going to be beneficial Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day I think it just it just ruined the vibe so I think another thing was that it was like the only people that are listening to this that are not in our city hate us right now Um, Mm -hmm. it was the only like bar in that location really so like yes once their patrons were there it was like like they were there for like to be there it Mm -hmm. wasn't because it was a stop after dinner or it was a stop along the way somewhere else like they were there to be there and it was I don't know whatever it was like my this is so silly but like my entire life changed because of that bar mm-hmm. like my two best friends Amanda and Sarah like we all became best friends because of that bar met my husband because we all went to that bar mm-hmm. like have the entire life I have now like if that bar didn't exist the rest of my life wouldn't have follow fall fell into place <laughs> I wouldn't have met the people that I know now Yes. I wouldn't have gotten my job at Endzone End because zone. they also got me the job there. Mm-hmm. Like the people that I met through at, at Absinthe. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew these people, but they, they, I wasn't as close to them if it wasn't sure. for Absinthe. And sure. then, because that's what we did every Wednesday. That's where mm-hmm. we went. And we all like bonded because of that. And yeah. then if I didn't have the job at Endzone, I would never have met Admir. So yeah. it's Both just like us. a spiral of just, you know. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I met other boyfriends from absinthe too so not me but (laughs) right but I'm just saying there's a lot of things in life that have led up because of absinthe it's very weird that so many people have been impacted by that 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 specific location yes specifically the one on king street so yeah we're very excited 
Um, I'm going to go like once at least. Like I'm not in the bar scene anymore. I don't really go to clubs or go out dancing or drinking anymore. But I really, really want to go at least one time just to like welcome them back. But anyways, we can move on to my scary stories now. (laughs) For sure. Maybe someone will have like a birthday party or something there. When do they move there? June 8th? Something like that. I think it's June 8th. and so Right around the time um, of your birthday. My birthday is the next week. Okay. <laughs> so this I chose. Okay. This, this is a Reddit story. And I chose this story because uh, this is one of my greatest fears. Uh, as a new mom, I use something called a white noise machine. And uh, it helps put my baby to sleep. But white noise machines are also what people use to like contact spirits and like they speak through white noise on ra- like as the radio is tuning through frequencies etc etc yeah okay so <clears throat> this was on the reddit thread uh true paranormal and it was uploaded by farm tech mama so hey guys i specifically made this reddit to try to get others experiences long story short my parents my parents house was haunted growing up Me and my older sister and even my mom experienced several things in the home. I got married and moved out to a trailer right next to my parents' house. For the first year of us being here, everything has been great. I had a baby boy in December and that's when things started getting weird. I even had a couple of unexplainable experiences while I was pregnant that terrified me to my core that I would be happy to share, but then she doesn't share them. (laughs) My main question is this. Have any other parents experienced voices coming from their kids' noise machines? It all started when I had to stay with my son at my parents' house one weekend while my husband was away for the military. He has his own noise machine at their home, and a voice literally woke me up through the noise machine saying, Sleepy? It sounded like a female voice, and it was definitely in the form of a question, like asking her, Are you sleepy? Okay. It scared me to death. Ever since then, I will hear voices coming from my son's noise machine at home. I don't feel threatened by the presence here, but I still don't like that it's there. Anyone else have any similar experiences with a noise machine or baby monitor? And then everybody else that wrote back to her said no. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's fucking scary. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's her story. I listen to white noise every night, so. Yeah? Off my phone. Yeah, I figured it would. I figured you didn't buy the baby white noise machine for your bedroom. I had one of those before, though. I did. I believe it off Amazon before they had like free noise machine apps on your phone. Yeah, yeah. I just changed Raleigh's um, noise machine setting to like a more of an ocean sound. Mm-hmm. So now I don't have to worry about the ones that's coming through the ocean. But that's fair. Still, still freaky. Yeah, very freaky. <laughs> All right, so um. Mine is, it's, you take it as you would like, but it is a story related to Lorraine Warren. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I know we've done stories about the Warrens before. Most have been famous stories, mm-hmm. but I've never seen a story from someone who just like encountered Lorraine Warren. Hmm. And it was not like a highly publicized event, right? Got it. Okay. So I was like, I'm interested in this. So this, uh, was posted on Paranormal Reddit by Charizard the Blue. Nice. Yeah, (laughs) I liked it. And the title is My Family's Experience with Mrs. Lorraine Warren. So she says, 
And of course, she says they lived in Connecticut, um, which is, I'm pretty sure uh, haunting in Connecticut is one of their most famous experiences. But I don't believe that this was the house or anything like that. But they were obviously present around Connecticut. Um, So anyway, they lived in Connecticut and it's where they grew up. And it happened when they were 14. And they believe that it was either right after Ed Warren passed away or not too long after. They say, me and my dad were staying at my aunt's house one night. It was a two-family house, so her and my uncle, as well as my cousin, her husband, and two children all lived there. It was a new house they had just built and moved into a couple months back. I found this part out later. Leading up to that night, my aunt was having crazy dreams where a little boy would appear in her dreams every night, or so she thought they were dreams, and would lead her out of bed. My aunt said the outside of the house was a very bright light that shone through the windows to the point where she couldn't see anything outside, and the little boy would try to lead her outside. My aunt would always be found in the morning by my uncle around the house passed out on the bathroom floor, living room, even the garage one time. They just assumed my aunt was sleepwalking. So anyway, that night at about 2 a.m. or so, everyone hears this loud screaming coming from the upstairs living room. Me, my dad, my aunt and uncle all wake up and run upstairs because it sounded like someone was hurt. We get up there and my cousin and her husband are in the living room. And my cousin's son, who was about two years younger than me, so 12, was sitting in a rocking chair with his back to us, but my cousin and husband were freaking out. So my dad and uncle walk over to my cousin and went to see what was wrong. My uncle touched his shoulder and he turned his head around and it was bright red, his eyes were bloodshot, and his skin was starting to turn this weird grayish color. Oh God. When they tried asking him what was wrong, he started speaking in Latin and was rocking in a chair back and forth. Now, he was known as kind of a prankster, so my uncle and my cousin's husband, thinking he's playing around, yelled at him to stop and went to grab him out of the chair. When they touched him, that time he let out a loud scream again in Latin and his eyes started to roll in the back of his head. We were all freaking out at this point, not knowing what to do. My cousin went and got a glass of water thinking maybe he's sleepwalking and threw it on him and he just laughed in this deep voice. My aunt was a pretty holy woman. She would keep crosses and angel statues and even holy water in the house. So she ran back downstairs to get the holy water because at this point we realized something weird was going on. My dad and my uncle grabbed him out of the chair. He was kicking and trying to fight them the whole time and held him on the floor. My aunt brings over the holy water and rubs it on her hands. My cousin lifts up his shirt while he's being held down, and my aunt places her hand on his back. It literally burned him. It left a burn mark the exact size of her hand on his back. Holy shit. He screamed and screamed for a couple seconds before he ended up passing out. I'm just standing there the whole time absolutely terrified, not moving, just watching this all happen. So he's passed out, and not knowing what to do, they call the police. It's probably around 3 a.m. at this point, so the police come with paramedics and talk to us, and the meds check out my second cousin to see if he's okay. He ended up waking up, and they said he was fine, except for the bird mark on his back. 
Not knowing what to do, the police recommended that we give Miss Lorraine Warren a call since she was a famous paranormal investigator and lived right in CT. So nobody ends up going to bed at all and me and my dad leave in the later morning. Now this next part I wasn't there for. About a week later, my aunt gives Mrs. Warren a call, tells her what happened and invites her to the house. Apparently Lorraine knew what the house was about before she even stepped foot in there. Apparently, the newly built house was built on land that housed some kind of portal to the other dimension. The little boy in my aunt's dream was trying to lead my aunt outside through the portal because if a human entered the portal, it would be open enough for demons to constantly go through. Apparently, one got through and was able to possess my second cousin because he wasn't strong enough to fight it well. While Lorraine ends up doing this whole seance and cleansing of the house to get rid of it all and close it permanently. They ended up living in that house for about eight years without any problems ever again before selling it and moving out of state. I never stayed over there again. To this day, that night still haunts me. That's fucked up. Yeah, that's really (laughs) fucked up. It's like a scarier version of Coraline. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. It's fucking scary. Like, it's unbelievable, but it's also like this person clearly experienced what they experienced. Well, yeah, of course. Whether or not the story that Lorraine Warren gave them was true. Was true or not. Yeah, for sure. Fuck, that's so scary. All right, here's my second story and last story. So this was again found on True Paranormal. One night a long time ago in the mid 80s, I was riding around my hometown around 10 p.m. with three other friends. Berkeley County, South Carolina was really country back in the day, so driving around at night on dirt roads is one of the things that kids would do to have fun. The place we were driving to was called the Gravel Hill Light. It was down a long dirt road in the middle of the Francis Marion National Forest. There were no streetlights of any kind and no houses within miles. Up until that point, I had seen the light a few times, and even to this day, no one knows what it is. I know that it's so bright it's almost like a welder's torch, but about 100 times bigger. There's no sound at all, and it disappears as soon as it appears. Anyway, this night we were on our way to see the light. We would usually park our car where the dirt road divides into another road, and after 10 or 15 minutes, the light would appear. We were driving and hadn't made it halfway yet to the place where the road divides. We saw, in the distance, a red glowing light with fog and the outline of a body standing way down in the middle of the road. We had to drive slow, like 25 miles per hour because of all the potholes in the road. We were curious and all said, what's that? Then the glow turned off for about two seconds and came back on, except this time there were three or four bodies standing in front of the red glow. And this time they seemed to be about 50 feet closer to us than they were before. They were all in contorted positions and not moving at all. Then the light went off and came on again after two seconds. Again, they were much closer to us this time, and this time there was about 10 body outlines standing still in weird positions. I began screaming to turn the car around now, and I mean now. Everyone in the car quickly agreed to turn around and get out of there, which is exactly what we did. Back then, I always thought of the figure standing there to have been ghosts, but now I'm thinking it was probably more aliens than it was ghosts. At 18 years old in the 80s, it just never occurred to me that it could have been aliens, but it makes more sense now. Mm -hmm. Weirdly, my friends and I haven't talked about this in many years. Interesting. That Mm -hmm. doesn't kind of 
seem more alien-like than... 100%. Why would you think that was ghosts? I don't know. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah, usually ghosts aren't... Like, you wouldn't see, like, an apparition of, like, four ghosts in a line or whatever. No. Yeah. Do you want me to share one more story? I would love that. Okay. (laughs) For for real. Okay, cool. Because I have one more. Um, Okay. So, another popular... Uh, theme around here is Ouija board so I have a Ouija board story this is um only a month old so by Bo Delta one night with a Ouija board turned me from a skeptic into a believer twice in my life I've used a Ouija board the first time I did it it didn't seem to work all that well the board was a bit dodgy and there was one person in the group who I was certain was moving the glass for theatrics I couldn't prove it but I had my doubts The answers to the questions were sketchy at best and not all of them made sense. The one thing that might have been, the one thing that might have proved it was real was that I remember for weeks after we did it, our cat at the time would just sit outside the doorway and stare right in the direction of where we had set it up. We all noted that it was kind of weird as he'd never done that before, but he eventually stopped and we forgot about it and moved on. Perhaps we did make a connection and our setup was just wrong or etiquette was off. Either way, I remain largely unconvinced that we had contacted actual spirits. The second time, though, was an entirely different outcome. A few years later, and I had moved across the country to attend university. One day, me and some of my uni friends got on the topic of Ouija and decided we'd have a crack at it one night. But this time, we did it properly. One of my friends was quite an esoteric sort of guy, and he did some research on how to properly do it. None of the others besides me had tried Ouija at this point, so we were mostly going in blind. But my friend made us a proper board setup and even used a sage smudging stick to cleanse the room of bad energies, as he put it. Once that was done, the four of us sat down and got to it. I will mention here that I was still very skeptical, so I went in with the mindset of carefully observing the other guys to see if they were messing with the glass at all. But throughout the entire session, the movement was so fluid and precise that all my doubts quickly evaporated and I was genuinely astounded that there was a supernatural entity interacting with us throughout the entire session. But that wasn't the only reason I started believing. The conversation we had with the spirit was so clear and yet so bizarre that I'll remember it forever. One thing that was paramount to the experience was to be courteous. So we started off basically asking if there were any spirits available to speak to us. And when we got a yes, we introduced ourselves and asked it if it wouldn't mind speaking to us for a bit. Another yes came through. We apologized for intruding and made it clear that the spirit did not have to answer any questions it didn't want to, and then we began our questioning in earnest. I won't type out a transcript, but here's the basics. The spirit we were speaking to was a soldier, killed in 1984, and he was from Yemen. He quite enjoyed the afterlife, or wherever he was at the time. He made it very clear to us that death was not the end, and there was nothing for us to fear in the afterlife. He said the concept of heaven and hell were untrue. He also said reincarnation was possible. I then remember asking if it was a Buddhist style of reincarnation to which we received a yes, no. I interpreted that as sort of. After all this, we then decided amongst ourselves to wrap things up. Having already had our minds blown away by what what we just experienced, 
We said thanks to the spirit and wish it all the best. We also waited for the spirit to say goodbye to us. This was an important part according to my friend, as it would allow the spirit to return to its own realm easily. And that was it. I walked out of that room with a strange feeling of bewilderment and yet also enormous relief. If what the spirit said was true, and I had no reason to believe he was lying to us intentionally, then death was almost something to look forward to. I considered myself a pure atheist up until this point, but this one night rattled that belief so hard that I can no longer consider myself as such, and I will always have the memory of my Yemeni friend to prove otherwise. Nice. Yeah. I love atheist stories Same. where they're like, I don't believe in ghosts, but something happened here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I like the details of how they were able to connect to that spirit. I feel like a lot of people just play around and I don't really know what they've done to connect. And I feel like that was uh, if if someone was going to connect that that makes sense that they were able to. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Definitely. And that's it. All right. Well, great hometown haunt episode. Yeah, solid. If you guys have any stories that you want to share on the podcast, you can email them to us at paranormalpod at gmail.com and we'll read them on our show. Hell yeah. Other than that, you guys can, oh, you should rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, obviously, but also check out our Etsy shop. Yes, check out our Etsy shop. We've gotten three uh, sales so far and, you know, just keep trucking. Um, if you are in the U.S., we do ship to the U.S. It's about $10 postage fee for U.S. people. So order more so you can get more in your mm-hmm. shipment. If you plan to order like gifts or anything like that, you might as well just do it all at once. So that's mm-hmm. just a FYI. Um, I had a panic attack at Canada Post doing it. So <laughs> just I'm so it's sorry. all good. It's fine. I got it done though. Um, also, yeah, if you still wanted to get that Manscaped kit, I think we're still running that promo. So Paranormal 20. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And other than that, you guys should just stay spooky. Yeah, because that's show biz baby. Bye bye. Bye bye. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network.